friends, and welcome to this 2020 Masters Recap Golf Podcast unlike any other. You've done it. We're together. We made it. We had a Masters in 2020. This is Fairway Roll in the Golf Podcast on the Rigger Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House, joined as is our custom by none other than our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard. Nate, DJ did it, and then Amanda did it. How about it? It's a double W. Two goats in action at the same time. Put her in the Hall of Fame, I say, because if you break DJ, it's really better than the scoring average at, at, at Augusta being broken, or the, the, the low score to par, which, which DJ did, among many other things today. Uh, Balionis should get the first headline. She got him crying. Nance <laughs> br- tried so hard that he he brought out the like montage of Austin and DJ pictures and reminded him of all the family stuff. And DJ was not having it. They cut away before they did the strange sort of awkward, super long pan on DJ and Butler cabin. And I thought that was it. So then I I I put on football and started getting ready for the pod. But then you told me that Amanda came through with just a Hail Mary championship throw. I wasn't anticipating that we were going to get another opportunity for an interview out on the green. I thought we were just jumping over to football. So I had it on in the background here as I was scribbling down my last notes. You know, I wanted to make sure that I didn't commit to the wrong wind here uh, preparing for the podcast. But uh, she came on and, and Tiger put the jacket on him again and there was clapping out there. Uh, on the green and then she started in with the interview and it was a good combination of questions. It was very similar to, to the way she spoke with him when he won the travelers uh, back in end of June, early July and talked about, you know, people may not understand how much hard work you put in and what the, 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 de- the dedication that it takes and how meaningful this tournament in particular for you, your your family, and your team, and he got kind of a quarter of an answer out, and that was it. He was donezo. Well, it's a fitting sort of full circle to the tournament that you just talked about because we had Amanda on right after that tournament, and I asked her, what's up with DJ? Because it seemed like maybe he doesn't care or this didn't matter to him. You know, what's really going on? And she pushed back hard on us there and said... You know, I think he's one of the most misunderstood guys. That was probably one of the most emotional interviews I've ever done with him. I found him to be, you know, really, really grateful for the win. And and it, this thing really meant a lot to him. And sure enough, here we go. That started this latest iteration of DJ. I don't know if it's DJ 5.0 or 6.0, but where he just went on a tear through the FedEx Cup playoffs 30 under at TPC Boston, including a 60, which was the worst it possibly could have been. He, he could have shot 57 that day. Pretty much waltz to the Tour Championship. You know, we sort of forgot about him at the U.S. Open. He still was T6 there. And then he just came through and won, uh, you know, in a huge way today. And so it was nice to see Amanda get the chance to re-engage with him there after that win and bring out the emotion that she told us was there all along. Yeah, so a couple things with DJ, the run that he's been on and some of the historical perspective. This win means he's instantly in the Golf Hall of Fame. He goes right in. There's nothing to talk about. There's no debate. He's in 
this this very moment. And you mentioned, you know, the unparalleled play. He won my Eagle Enthusiast. It's fairway rolling presented by FanDuel. Major season is here and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The fall, I do want to talk about how great, uh, just for a quick second, subtangent, look at the winners we had in major tournaments this fall. We had a rookie win the first, the PGA Championship uh, out in Harding Park, Colin Morikawa. Then yep. we had the innovator, the mad scientist, go win the, the U.S. Open in an unprecedented and unanticipated way. Bryson DeChambeau, who was the story of the summer and the fall season. And he was, in fact, the story entering this Masters because he was all anybody wanted to talk about. It's such a curious thing. But then we had a legend. We had an OG. We've had a guy who's been consistently great at professional golf for 15 years now go out and grab the green jacket. It was really never in doubt. It got to be a stroke. You know, he had the lead, a four-stroke lead starting today. Uh, this is Sunday. Um, it got down to one stroke because he bogeyed uh, four and five on the front. Um, but he immediately righted the ship with a birdie on six. And, you know, he, he basically ended the golf tournament, uh, I thought, with the birdie on 13, yeah, but then was exclamation then. point birdie on 14. And then, and that was it. Like they, they you know, Cam Smith and, and Sung JM kudos to both of them. They both balled out Cam Smith in particular, the first golfer in the history of the masters to shoot all four rounds in the sixties. Um, but, and, and we'll, we will touch on so many aspects of this particular Masters, the scoring, some of the record-breaking elements of that, but just DJ's historical legacy, this historical performance in this historical moment. What, what's your thought on that? I'm thinking about Justin Thomas uh, before the U.S. Open, talking about how hard it is to get your second major. 
and that he was finding that getting your second was even harder than getting your first. Now, DJ had a lot of trouble getting to his first. <laughs> he had a lot of trouble getting to the second. But I, 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 what I feel is happy for him because this is a guy who, quite frankly, uh, was underperforming in majors relative to what you would think. This is a guy who could very, very easily have six or seven right now were it not for some combination of boneheadedness and bad luck. But not boneheadedness in a way that um, that, that makes him... Uh, an unlikable human being, right? You really, at this point in his career, how can you not root for the guy? And and so this was one where so many times he came into this tournament and you felt like he had the edge and whether it was falling down the stairs or whatever, you know, he, it sort of slipped away from him. And what was great this week was he just was in control the whole time. He did talk about in the post round today, pre Amanda crying in the, in the one where he he fought off Nance valiantly, like a like a like a knight in the in the thirteen hundreds. Uh, he he you know he talked about the fact that he was nervous all day and that he was really feeling it all the way through the round, um, which he hasn't really told us much about before. So you you get the sense that. It's so easy to talk about this guy because he's six foot four, six five, and he has that stride. And everyone's always like, "Oh, he's always cool, calm, and collected." Well, he's not. That's what he looks like. But underneath the surface, he's a human being who's felt it in clearly a bunch of these times where he's blown the fifty-four hole lead, where he's you know had a chance to win and not shifted it into gear like like the PGA this year, where he played all right. He got outplayed uh, by Morikawa. But this one, uh, I think, as you said at the very beginning, starts to cement the legacy of a guy who is an absolute top golfer of all time. And that's the interesting lens through which we're now going to look at DJ. Maybe this unplugs a torrent and a flurry of additional majors from here. But you can't, you know, if he didn't get this second one, and in particular, this tournament that mattered so much to him, you can't call him one of the greatest of all time. And now I think you have to. Oh, I, I, we're, we're there. He's a top 10 all-time great, I think. I think he's, you know, we, we, I'm not going to do the historical thing. This is uh, uh, my, my gut reaction um, without sitting down and hammering through the numbers. But I think he's in the, he's in the like, the 9-10 range. Um, where would you have put him relative to Brooks before this tournament? And where do you put him relative to Brooks now? He's ahead of Brooks, notwithstanding how many majors Brooks has because of the consistency over the period of time and the number of tour wins that DJ has. Yeah. He, that, that is, it's, it's nearly Tiger-esque, right? I mean, yep. it, it's, it, it will rank uh, up there in terms of, of quantity of, of wins with um, all, all of, of the you know, top 10 greats. And that is, does distinguish him from Brooks. Now, there are chapters left to be written. For sure. Used to just speculate it out loud. Maybe this is kind of the the thing that unplugs the talent and, and he goes off. You know, he has another with his physical um, advantage by the combination of his length and strength and, you know, knocking on wood, his body as an athlete, he every he's routinely identified as one of the very best, if not the best athlete on tour. And that's been validated because of how healthy he's managed to stay as long as he's not walking around on stairs with with slippers on. Uh, he's managed to stay healthy um, through the, the, the bulk of his career. Why not, over the next six or seven years, 
you know, that that's another 24 to 28 majors that he gets to compete in, you know, God willing, he couldn't win three more of those. Well, I think the reason we have to judge this one as a great win, it's going to be easy to fall into he shot 20 under. And I actually don't think the final score is something we should focus that much on because let's be honest, the course played unbelievably easy on Thursday. This is the lowest average scoring uh, major of all time. And so I wouldn't look so much at the final score as I would at who was in it because we've talked on this pod so many times about this generation of golfers and how we have this upper echelon of nine or 10 guys who are all going to be historically great, who are showing up every tournament competing. And after the first nine on Saturday, they were all in it. And we're going to talk about what happened to some of them. But hey, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Rory Cummins, like there, there was a whole group of these guys who could have won this tournament. And it was Dustin Johnson who played so much better than they did over these last couple of holes to grab it, as you said, by the throat. And that's why this is one where we really have to put a hell of a lot of respect on DJ's name. Yeah, that's exactly right. He did not open the door really for any of those guys. He was uh, um, among the uh, low round guys. He had the low round on Thursday. He had the low round by himself yesterday on Saturday and he he tied for the low round again today. So yep. like this was his golf tournament. He went out there, he took it. He has been playing the best all fall long. This is him, you know, validating what we've been watching with our own two eyes. I will say there'll be a couple times in this podcast I'm going to pat myself on the back. This will be one of them. I went on Bill Simmons podcast two and a half weeks ago and we did a little bit of early masters uh, uh, forecasting and we went through a couple names and at that point, Dustin Johnson was available. This was because he was still out with COVID. He was available in a handful of sports books at between 12 to one and 14 to one. And I said, at that price, you need to rush right out. You need to stop listening to this podcast, go find a place to, to put down a bet and grab Dustin Johnson before he comes single digit odds. Now he came back from his uh, bout with COVID went to the Houston Open, was rusty a little bit at the at the beginning of that tournament, and then shot two rounds in the low 60s uh, and looked perfectly fine coming into this Masters. And uh, his odds were down in the single digits immediately yeah. ent entering the tournament. Well, I look, I, you know, when we were on with Justin Ray, I, I picked him, but I certainly didn't bet on him because the odds were insane. But he, he really... He really, if you widen the aperture coming into the Masters, which for a lot of these guys is the last tournament they're going to play before Hawaii in January, this is the guy who's been playing the best. And what we saw from him coming out of Houston was enough of the game being there that you could feel pretty confident he was going to come in and do it. And DJ, unlike any other player, seems to be the kind of guy who can put his clubs in the trunk and leave the car in the driveway for two or three weeks and come back and be the same damn player. That's not to say he doesn't work his ass off. He does. But the, the, the Vegas quarantine, where he was basically locked in a hotel room, probably had less of an effect on him than it did on anybody else. I mean, we saw Adam Scott. We saw Tony Finau. You know, those guys came back and did okay, but really didn't have their fastballs heading into this tournament coming out of a week or two where they were shut down. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Well, this is the DJ Coronation, and we're we're it is a wonderful way to cap off the 2020 major season. Three incredible major winners in 2020. Maybe 2020 is looking up. I don't know. Other stuff's been going on uh, in the country and in the world. We still have you know concerns with the global pandemic, uh, increasing concerns, but maybe things are breaking in our direction a little bit. We're going to end up 2020 possibly with some some positive stuff, and hopefully this is a teeny tiny step in in that direction. I want to talk about some other teeny tiny steps in some curious directions. And I want to begin with the performance of last year's winner, the defending champion on the 12th hole at Augusta national today, (laughs) the double digit, the The 10. Do you you understand that it was uh, a sports book offered 150 to one odds that tiger would shoot um, 10 or worse on, on a golf hole in this tournament? And he never has shot a ten, score of 10 or worse on the PGA Tour. So uh, why would you ever make that bet? That's exactly uh, right. There is something about that hole. I mean, e- e- even past champions, right? We've seen Spieth in there. Last year, that hole was basically responsible for delivering the tournament to Tiger when all of the contenders went in the water and and he put a great shot just left of the hole. Uh You know, that hole looks so damn easy. And there is just something about the magic and mystery of Augusta that that has those moments. Now, there was some tin cup shit going on. And listening to Tiger talk about it after the round, you know, he said golf is lonely sometimes and nobody can dig you out. You have to dig yourself out. Uh, And what I loved about it is two things. One is he finished the round with four birdies, right? Five in the the last six holes or something. Yes. And and he sat in Butler Cabin with Jim Nance and Dustin Johnson praising uh, DJ for tying his score, right? His his record. And so uh, let's just hope that maybe it gives Tiger a little fire to come back and reclaim it. There's no reason not. I mean, this is one of the best storylines of this tournament. When we were doing our previews last week, we were expressing, you know, there was no reason to be excited about Tiger. He hadn't finished in the top 20 uh, in any tournament since maybe, you know, February of of 2020. Yeah. And there was absolutely nothing about his play coming in that suggested that he had in him, you know, some, some, a leaderboard run. But by golly, the leaderboard run on Thursday and Friday was there and the golf world and the sporting world at large was on fire. I mean, people were excited. I know I was excited. Maybe it was just my little circles. Chris Vernon was going insane. Well, look, that's a whole nother thing. That deserves its own segment. We're going to get Verno on here uh, probably for next week's pod because uh, if you you don't know what we're talking about, (laughs) <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, first of all, there's something wrong with you. But second of all, our homie, Chris Vernon, um, has been doing a, his master's update for 10 years now. And for whatever reason, um, it went viral this year, over a million views of the Thursday uh, broadcast. And and he's been doing it in this, this uh, style. And I'm not going to try and break down all the elements of it. It's not there for analysis. It is there for for your goddamn enjoyment. So go mm. find Chris Vernon's master's update uh, and, and be a, a million, 1.1 million people that, that enjoyed it. It was spectacular. 
Well, t- look, just to finish off on Tiger, uh, you could see on Saturday the old man golf issues that yep. come. W- you and I had texted offline after we did the last pod and said, God, you know, with this weather, they're definitely not going to get it in Thursday. And that means some of these guys aren't going to get it in Friday, which means Saturday they're going to play a lot of golf. And that's what it looked like for some of the old guys, with one glaring exception, Bernhard Langer, who also deserves to be... They need a new Hall of Fame for Langer. But but Tiger Tiger just looked tired at that point. And uh, I don't think he looked as tired today. I think he just hit a bad shot on 12 where the wind was swirling. He didn't know what to do. And then, you know, hacked a couple of wedges in the water. But he showed us down the stretch he still got golf. And God, if we can get five more years of maybe Tiger Woods can still win this tournament, it's going to be the greatest gift he gives us. I mean, let's just do the math on it. If the homie makes par on 12, instead of being uh, one under finishing the tournament, he would have finished eight under, and that was good enough for tied for 13th, right? That's a top 15 finish. All he has to do is have two legs that work and two arms that work, and his brain is sitting inside of his dome, and he walks. Uh, he, he gets in the car and drives up Magnolia Lane and walks out there to the practice range, and boom, yeah. he, 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 uh, he's ready. Yeah, and, and, and there's a case to be made that if the course had played more difficult this year, he would have done a lot better. I think a lot of guys hung around in this tournament because the greens were not hard. And and the 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 course was soft as it ever has been. And yeah. I, I don't think you can underestimate uh, how much of a disadvantage that was for past champions and guys who historically play well here. Well, one of the props, again, this is the second time I'm going to pat myself on the back, coming into the tournament was how many guys will finish under par. And the books had set that number at 17 and a half. Mm. Which is to say, eighteen or more, if you if you like the over there, are going to finish under par in the twenty twenty Masters. That was a bet you could make Tuesday and Wednesday. Hi- hypothetically, it was a bet you could make, <laughs> oh, or in reality, depending <laughs> on your circumstances, forty three guys finished under par. So yeah. that is one uh, that I did indeed uh, ca- cash in on. Now, one guy, and I'm glad you mentioned Bernhard Langer because this will be one of the storylines that everybody talks about tomorrow, tonight into tomorrow. Uh, Bernhard Langer finished, I believe, last in the field in driving distance. Yes, 250 yards. First in accuracy. There's a gentleman in the field who finished in the uh, very upper echelon in terms of driving distance. Yes. And that is Bryson DeChambeau. And yet, Bryson finished a stroke behind Bernhard Langer this week, yes. Nate Dogg. Yes. What, what, what do we make of the incredible bulk, beefy Bryson himself, and what the golf gods had to say to, to, to Bryson? Now, to be fair, it was really the, the whole golf and sporting world community talking about Bryson as much. It wasn't Bryson coming in necessarily cocky, although he did announce that his par at this venue is 67. That's the way he thinks about it. And by that standard, he shot plus 18 for the tournament. He only hit 11 of 18 greens in the first two rounds. He only hit 50% of his greens in the fourth round. So he was near the bottom of the field in greens and regulation. And Bernard Langer beat him. So, you know, it depends on who you are uh, to, to decide what you take away from this. Bryson in the cabin afterwards was pretty clear that he is not well. 
and that something's going on with him physically. Yes. Uh, he, he was having a lot of dizzy spells and just not feeling right in his stomach uh, through the course of the week. And, and, and he said there were a couple shots today that he hit where he just has no idea what that was. That scares the crap out of me, honestly, because he's been doing so many crazy things to his body that I, I just worry for the guy that, that, that there's some scientific reason why, you know, bodies aren't supposed to grow in this way and strength and that he's doing something that's not good for him. So I, I hope first and foremost that he gets the full slate of tests and blood work that he talked about and, and that he figures out what, what's going on there. But Augusta's different than Wingfoot. And the strategy, you know, I, I, I think it, we talked about it this week. We were fading Bryson, not, not like he's going to miss the cut necessarily, but we really, and he almost did. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we really felt like this was a second shot golf course and a course where you got to putt. He has not putt well at all uh, on, on these greens. But this week, more than anything, it was that second shot. You know, yes, he, he had the double where he flailed it into the woods a bunch and we saw him hitting out of the woods. We saw a lot of guys hitting out of the woods. We saw Cam Smith hitting out of the woods today. Cam Smith hit oh, only about 60% of his greens, but you know, he led the field in putting or might have ended up second to Sungjae. And, and that's how you get around Augusta. Bryson just did not give himself a chance to show the putting that he actually has improved. So I, I, I'm with you that I think it was a lot of us talking this week. Bryson's responsible for some of it because of the Instagram posts that, you know, about how far he was going to hit it and, and I think indulging us in the conversation of whether he was going to hit it 400 yards on 13 into the opposite fairway and play in that way, which, by the way, you know, he never actually did. Right. Um, but, but, but he did, he did, you know, he did sort of participate in a little bit of the pre-hype. I just think, as he said afterwards, he's the underdog. Nobody ever is the, you know, overwhelming favorite against the field. And so uh, you're not going to win every one. I think he probably learned a lot of lessons this week. But I do think there's this underlying subtext of the guy has changed his body a lot. And let's get past that initial concern of whether, you know, there's something wrong in the protein shakes or there's something that he's doing that's starting to affect uh, you know, his body physically in a way that that has made him a little unhealthy. So th thinking good thoughts for him. And we beat him up a bit on this pod just because uh, in particular, the Instagram post stuff is, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but this is a guy who's important to the game. He's changed the game in a lot of ways. And and we should say this, House, I don't think, I don't think that the that the length and equipment conversation goes away after this week. Because if we just, if we just 30,000 feet, Two years in a row, we've had the lowest score to par of all time uh, of the field at the Masters. And, and it's it's becoming increasingly difficult to protect this golf course. There's nothing they can do with a 13th tee to change the fact that guys are going to have short irons coming in. And you heard the tournament, uh, the heads of the tournament this week sort of tip a cap towards the debate suggesting that pretty soon they're going to be advocates for some sort of changes that are going to, you know, change equipment, change ball to start bringing distance under control because they're just out of real estate. Well, I, I have one note on that topic um, first, which is, you know, they bought uh, and they paid a hefty price for it, a decent sized parcel of land from the Augusta Country Club in the back of number 13. So they have intentions as it yeah. relates to 13. They are going to make 13 longer. Now your point could could very well still hold which is even if you you move it back 
75 yards, 120 yards. These guys are so good. The angles that they're willing to take and, and, you know, the experiments that they will make in practice rounds and so forth. If in fact they do move it, the tee back by, they, they have the room to do so with this parcel of land that Augusta national acquired. Um, and I don't know if between now and April, that's enough time to grow in what they have to grow in. Um, right. It might be but, a 2022 thing, but but it, but it doesn't help 18. It doesn't help three. It doesn't it, help the the rest of the course, right? Here here's my observation on that. We did not see any wind on this golf course until the back nine today. Yeah, we didn't see a a a, a breath of wind really until Tiger hit made a 10 on number 12. That was the first moment that there was any indication at all that the breeze that is the 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 real uh, uh um defense at Augusta National was going to play any kind of a role whatsoever it was absolutely dead flat weather it was wet the greens were soft there was nothing that a, that the uh, Augusta National could do to um solve for mother nature mother nature created the most you, you know the the favorable conditions in the history of the tournament, forty-three guys finished under par. Yeah, and I, I think it, I think you do have to say Augusta is not wingfoot. Bryson still hit the crap out of the ball here, but Bernard Langer was first in driving accuracy, and at sixty-three years old, beat him. Yes, it's well, a different course. So Bernard Langer um, did not disappoint us. Bryson, we're rooting. I'm going to knock on wood because you, you you say it right. We we have given him a hard time because it's fun. Yeah. on this pod, but we also have given him a ton of credit for the innovation, for the creativity, for the thoughtfulness. No um, and it's been a terrific topic over the last five months in, in professional golf. We want him to be healthy and, and feeling well. Um, so he was for, 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 for himself and, you know, folks that might have invested in him, a disappointment. I have a question for you, uh, in terms of all of the young guns, you mentioned it, this, and we talked about it with Justin Ray, the incredible moment, and, and Sobel as well, the incredible depth of field, the, the incredible quality uh, across professional golf right now. And, you know, the, the, the young guns in particular, we've been seeing some of the rookies uh, perform extraordinarily well. Matthew Wolf. Uh, in the first two majors that he's ever competed in, finished in the top five. He missed the cut this week. Um, yeah. But there was a bunch of guys that we had kind of circled that we we say are due or about due. They should be ready. Uh, I'm not going to name any names. I, I just want to hear you say, who disappointed you the most this week? Who were you most disappointed by? Uh, without without a doubt, it was Ram and JT. Okay. It's a and, tie. It's a tie and, and, for you. Yeah, well... Because they did on Saturday exactly what we saw them do at the Zozo the last time we saw them play, which is the, the, they make the turn at Zozo on Sunday. Uh, they're both at, I think, 22 under. And you go, they're going to go win this tournament by a mile. And they both played the back nine in even or over par. And they, they just, you know, Cantley won the tournament. They did not deliver. And Saturday was the same thing. JT makes the turn Saturday at two under. And, and shoots plus one on the back, right? You see the swipe right start to happen again. We talked about those this week. Sometimes under pressure, he starts pushing that driver right. Ironically, what really brought him down was an aggressive shot into 15, the second shot where he, he yanked, uh, sort of overcooked a draw, 
put it over the back and into the water, and that was it. Now, the flip side with JT is he's only played this tournament five times, and he's gone from like 39th to 22nd to 17th to 12th and now 4th. So the guy's going to have something to say here in the years to come. But this was one where we knew it's a second shot golf course. He's a young guy, so the the change in schedule and the you know extra holes aren't going to hurt him. He's definitely been the best ball striker, as Justin Ray talked to us about this week, and, and that's why Justin picked him. And and he just, he didn't grab it by the throat. And, and this is something that we're starting to see more of with JT than we want to. And he gets frustrated. And you can see the physical manifestations of his own sort of mental struggle. His shoulders start to slump. His face sours. Uh, and to, to pitch it to the other guy we were talking about, nobody's face sours more than John Rahm, who also lost this tournament on Saturday with, you know, a blow-up hole that ended up only being, a, you know, a double on the par five, but it just kept him from clicking back into gear and following up which what was a, a fire round on Friday where you thought, okay, here he comes, he's going to go get it. There's just something about Rom in these majors where there is a day or a stretch of nine holes that he doesn't keep it all together. So those two guys were pretty disappointing, and, and in particular disappointing because we have seen this now from them as a fairly regular pattern, even as recently as the last tournament they played at Sherwood. Yeah, they both had it right there. It was that Saturday afternoon. Now, I want to ask you about Rory. Do you think that Rory, uh, do you want a glass half full or glass half empty on Rory? He went 75, 66, 67, 69, and finished T5. I thought his post-round comments were actually the most interesting of any player. You know, he said, you come into the Masters, there's always lots of buildup and there's lots of pressure on me because I'm trying to do something that only a handful of golfers have ever done. So first of all, you know he's thinking about it. But then he said, I sometimes lose 10 to 15 pounds during Masters I was Masters stunned week. by that. I was stunned by that. And, and by the way, just take it back to Bryson. Like, there's these guys are under a lot of pressure and under a lot of stress and a lot of it is self-inflicted clearly but that's the if if Rory's losing 10 to 15 pounds and Bryson's getting dizzy you know that that's the kind of pressure and stress that these guys put themselves under um but then Rory said he hadn't felt that way this week and, and that clearly after that first round he went out and hit six practice shots i think he said he hit five nine irons and a three wood in between the f- end of his first round and start of his second round on Friday. And from that point forward, he played great golf and and that maybe his approach from here needs to be to take it a little bit less seriously, be a little more relaxed and just go. I I didn't feel hugely disappointed in Rory only because I don't think he's been at the peak of his game. Again, the last time we saw him at Sherwood, he shot six under on Sunday without even really making a putt. I mean, he did it sort of, you know, effortlessly. Um, I don't think if he plays well on on Thursday, he he beats DJ, but he certainly would have been in the hunt. And and the fact that it was such an easy day for a guy who, you know, when he's on, can be just absolutely darting his irons and taking advantage of conditions like that. It, it was a failure that Rory's got to sit on. It just didn't seem to weigh on him the way that it really looked like this performance weighed on JT and Rom. Yeah, I, and, and maybe it's because... Rory's bad performance came at the beginning of the tournament and he still had three rounds in front of him to go right the ship. I was just happy to see that glibber. It was glass half full performance for me out of Rory. I just love seeing him, you know, 
in, in, in majors competitive like this. It's it's better for golf. To me, talent-wise, it's DJ and Rory at the top. And I want to yeah. see DJ and Rory mano a mano come April, right? DJ defending and, and Rory hopefully firing on, on all cylinders. But it was great to see him with three rounds in the seventies. And it was great. There was building excitement um, when he went off this morning because yeah. he, he strung together some birdies. And I was like, wait a second. He might go out and snatch this. He might go out and put some leaderboard pressure on DJ. It was just, you know, f- fun to see it. He, he is one of the guys who's been the most vocal about how the absence of fans has hurt his ability to get the, that last bit of adrenaline firing and that that laser focus happening out on the course. And so I'm excited to see him back with fans. You know, you think about him, you think about him in the President's Cup and you think about him in the Ryder Cup uh, and and all of the amazing moments that he's really had in front of fans. I, I want to see him back out there playing his best uh, with the patrons. Yeah, I, I have uh, another glass half full guy very happy to see Brooks Kepka out there. Looked healthy for all four rounds. He also, uh, you know, he he hit a great shot on on twelve. They had a laugh about it um, after he hit the middle of the green. And somebody, you know, I think the one of the broadcasters mused aloud, you know, was he talking about last year? Um, but you know, he shot 70, 69, 69, 70 for a ten under tie seven in a Masters. We want to see Brooks Kepka in these majors, healthy, playing well. And again, another name. Let's have DJ and Rory and Brooksy go out there in April and, and you know, f- fully loaded with all the weapons. Yeah. Brooks's round one was probably disappointing for him. Uh, if, you, if, if you give him three more strokes there, four more strokes in that round, you know, he's much more competitive in this Masters. So uh, I, I like what I saw from Brooks. And it, it portends a great year ahead for him. Clearly back healthy uh, in, in the way that we want to see him. Yeah. Two, two guys that uh, maybe it's unfair to say this, um, but we keep talking about them as, as potential contenders. And neither one of them really distinguished themselves this week. And that's Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. Kind of two younger players that are, you know, darlings of the analytics community. And they... This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Both have, you know, demonstrated, um, you know, good, good track record, especially X in the big tournaments. Um, neither one of them really did anything all that all inspiring. They both finished tied for 17th. Uh, and, you know, we, we can be patient. They're both young, uh, still in their mid twenties. Uh, Xander's younger than Cantley. Um, do you have any, any reaction to how they played this week? I, I thought Cantley was definitely in the mix after, after his second round. I mean, you yeah. thought here he comes, he'd shot a 66, uh, and felt like he was bringing it. But again, Saturday, and Sunday, it just wasn't there. I mean, again, he won Zozo. So yes. th th this was a guy who who had a lot of momentum coming in, and you could see it. Xander's a more puzzling case for me because, as you say, the analytics community loves him. We love him. He seems to always be around the hoop in these tournaments, but he just is having trouble getting over the hump. And, you know, he hadn't won since, since Hawaii, uh, and... And he's been in the mix enough for us to step back and go, what's it going to take for him to find that final gear where we don't talk about him finishing top seven? You know, we don't talk about him the way we talk about top five Tony, right? Yeah, right, um, right, right. Uh, because I, I think it's it's time for both of those guys to win a major. And, and they may be, right, they may be two of the emerging, quote, we call it victims. That's a pretty strong word. But unfortunate recipients of the consequences of being professional golfers at a time in which the top is stacked. Yes. I mean, you know, Hideki Matsuyama can't putt for his life, but the, the guy is finishing top 15 in all these tournaments, right? Patrick Reed, who we didn't even really talk about coming in, but boy, Patrick Reed could have won. You got Rom, you got Kepka, you got DJ, you got JT, you got Rory, you know, and, and, and Zombie Tiger who shows up every now and then. That's a tough spot to be in when you're Cantlay and, and, uh, and Xander and, and you're just maybe a notch below those guys. You need seven, eight guys who are definitely better than you at golf to not have a good tournament to win a major. That's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Well, we're going to see 
who was inspired by this uh, mid-November Masters because we're 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 five and a half months away from being back down uh, to to Augusta. You know, a couple guys will have a bitter taste, and maybe that will inspire them. And we'll see what the golf gods have in mind in terms of of this course. You know, I I have a suspicion just. The, the the way things work that that this masters in april is going to be one of the uh you know uh single digit <laughs> under par kind of score things that it's going to be chillyish and and firm and fast and you know not wet at all and it's just going to take extraordinary golf yeah. to, to to get around i do want to take a second to talk about how extraordinary the venue looked how the presentation was I feel like we need to to sing a little bit of, of praise for a combination of CBS and ESPN, the innovation and in how the tournament was presented. Because this today, a lot of the chatter was that it was kind of a quiet feeling today because DJ, it was just the only drama was going to come if he fell down yeah. and he didn't fall down. So there wasn't like that, that, you know, back nine drama that you sometimes get at the Masters. Um, but what was your reaction to the overall presentation? Thank God for drones. Uh, yeah, amazing. It, it really showed us the course and how the holes fit together. If you haven't been there, um, you, you would have seen for the first time the way those holes really fit together, but also how the cabins and the buildings are on property and where it all sort of sits in relation to that par three course. I thought they just did a terrific job of, of showing it in, in a different light. It was so fun today to see those fall leaves floating in Ray's Creek and, and just that different look of, of a familiar uh, friend out there. They just did a great job showing it. I, I thought there were a few things about the coverage on the main broadcast that you wish they'd done differently. I mean, can we just get Amanda doing the interviews during the during the main broadcast, like she's good, and you know she she gets the best out of people. She clearly has personal relationships. Anyway, we've we've talked a lot about Amanda, but let's do that. I don't know why they missed DJ's walk up eighteen. Yeah. Um. But but we got more out of the undulations and hilliness of the course. People don't understand how much that course is in a bowl, and CBS and ESPN shot it very, very well this year. They got those camera angles that showed, you know, when a ball uh, went through that sort of shaven, worn down grass on the sides of the greens and there were those tough chips back up. You you, you got a better sense for some reason this year, of the, thanks to the way, the camera work, of of just how tricky those were and, and how much the ball was below the putting surface. So I, I really thought they did a great job this year and, and I hope that a lot of that continues to carry over. Again, we have to give credit to the guys who are running Augusta now because b between um, between the, the work that they've done in the community, um, between, you know, the, the, the welcoming of innovation to the broadcast, you know, we should talk about the app too, which was amazing. Yes. Um, th they've really pushed out in new ways that, you know, 20 years ago, we would have said, this is the stodgiest group in golf and this is something that's holding back the game from reaching broader appeal. And in some ways, maybe, you know, um, uh, perpetuating cycles of of un injustice, right? And now um, they've taken that to heart, and they're doing great work. So kudos. Well, and and on top of all that, the relatability of this year's particular event because there's no patrons. They did a couple things to to make pe people feel included. 
one of which was making the fantastic food spread available uh, <laughs> online to order directly. You could get a pound of pimento, a pound of egg salad, a pan- pound of the, the barbecue. You could get the cookies. You could get the popcorn. And perhaps my most favorite element of all, I might have paid what the price was for that whole spread just for the cups alone. They sent like 20 cups and they all say 2020 on them. Look at you, are pulling them one up and pulling them out right there. How great was that spread, buddy? Uh, well, I'm burping egg salad as we speak. <laughs> so I-, I thought it was great. I mean, what a fun way in this year to extend it. And by the way, I hope they don't stop doing that. Uh, but yeah, a two egg salad sandwiches before 7 a.m. Uh, was breakfast for me. So they-, they just have been thoughtful on how they spread it in all kinds of ways. We-, we should not let the pod go without talking about um, the great way in which they honored Lee Elder this week. Yeah, spectacular. Um, Not just in naming him an honorary starter next year, but also in putting together two scholarships and creating a a new women's golf program entirely um, down the street at one of the local colleges there. So I I think uh, all in all, it's really great to see them doing, uh, doing not just what's good for business, but I think what's good for the game of golf and the community in which in which they exist. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would say, you know, it's about time. Um, it, it, it is. is about time. It's it's way past time. That's right. Let let's see them go ahead and connect with the community that that you know has has in, indulged this all for all of this time. Let's let's. We, it's called Augusta National, and you're in this town, and and you know, so no time like the present. Kudos, a hundred percent for um, you know recognizing the moment and recognizing the contribution available to them uh, and going ahead and, and, you know, making it happen. Um, and there's no reason the innovation in the last handful of years, the, the female amateur that hopefully will return in April. Yep. That's cool. I love yep. seeing Augusta played that way. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for that. They, the, the, uh, you mentioned in, in elders name, the fact that they created uh, a, an entire, young uh, lady golf program. It's at a historically black college. So, you know, there is that recognition for, for a club that for years, you know, excluded African-Americans, um, you know, w- welcome to the 21st century and, and it's good progress. Yeah. Lots more work to do there. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't wash away what, what the past is there, but I, I think I appreciate the way that they're uh, talking about that and, and now making a lot of overt uh, concrete actions, not just words to, to, to move us forward. Um, but you did ask, you did ask about, about the way it looked. And so let's, let's talk briefly about the app because I think the work that they did, there's actually important to golf going forward. And what they did in the aggregate was they had a camera on every single player hitting every single shot. And you could go into that app and create your own lineup of players. And the, you know, the, the, the technology in the background was splicing together those shots of all those players you wanted to see and feeding it to you in real time. And the reason that this matters, I think, is golf is unlike any other sport where there's 200 golfers. And if you're just that casual fan, you know, you're not going to get to know more than the top 10 guys right now because those are the guys who are hanging around the leaderboards in lots of ways. But for somebody who takes one step further into the pool a little bit more deeply, sometimes it's hard to get 
really, you know, a close uh, fan relationship with some of these golfers if they're not actually appearing on TV. And what was so cool about what they built was whoever your favorite golfer was and whoever you wanted to track, this gave you the opportunity to follow people around. They had, uh, the PGA had started to do that at the Players' Championship this year, but of course that got canceled. That's where, you know, they had to shut down mid-round basically um, uh, because of the because of the pandemic. So I, I was thrilled to see it. I know it doesn't come without cost, but this is how A, golf should be viewed. B, it's how we as fans can get to know a richer and deeper set of players, which is sort of unique to any other sport. Um, and and build stronger connection to the game and and quite frankly grow it. So I hope that the PGA Tour itself looked at that and said that's what we should aspire to do. It didn't come without its glitches. There were times where it got hung and you know didn't work perfectly. But this is a monumental step forward in terms of what's unique about golf, how you broadcast it, how you bring all of the different shots of the course, uh, you know, uh, to life visually. Um, and, and they deserve a lot of credit for it. Well, I, I, you are a tech guy, so I'm interested in your your view of of how scalable this might be because you mentioned the cost. Obviously, it's cost prohibitive to go around to the you know 40 venues um, where professional golf is 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 competed year in and year out. Um, but is it reasonable or feasible to pick 10 or 15 of your more sort of iconic places where you visit every single year and outfit them with, you know, the infrastructure to be able to let fans participate in the experience of a tournament um, in the way that we so enjoy today? Yeah. All, all we're talking about is cameras on every hole. And yes, if somebody gets deep in the woods, maybe maybe it's impossible to sort of automate that. But but the technical delivery mechanism is cheaper than what we have today. And certainly through some combination of, of AI and machine learning, you can tag these clips and feed them into to a customized feed. So, so that's already built and, and the marginal cost of doing that elsewhere is zero. So I think as fans, the more that we can talk about wanting content in this way, you know, the more I think the PGA and, and other sort of independent tournaments will have to be responsive and provide this kind of experience because it really was world-class. And I think from here, any major that doesn't allow for this is going to look JV by comparison. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you. Let, let's do, as always, Augusta raises the bar and the thing that particularly uh, interests me, titillates me is, is the, you know, it's not that far of a cry to enter in one additional bit of interaction, which is perhaps, you know, gambling on various elements that's of right. different guys and different experiences, right? That, that, that's, that's what's next, is, is in addition to showing the shot, layering in a bunch of data around stats and then odds and the opportunity to, to place bets in real time for people who are interested in that. It's clearly where the game is going and, and the PGA has made deals with all of the major players, including our friends at FanDuel. But, but the, PGA, the PGA Tour has, has embraced that, understanding it's a way to grow the game. There was another story in major publication this week just about how the pandemic has, in fact, grown the game in terms of uh, you know, things you've referenced before. But we got some hard numbers this week about increase in, in just rounds played, increase in equipment sales, 
um, and certainly, you know, increases in viewership and engagement in the game. And the next step is obviously gambling, which again, golf is uniquely suited to because you have all these different guys and all these different potential outcomes. So uh, the, the opportunity set is up and to the right and you need to keep, you need the leaders in the game to keep pushing the technology forward because it's there. Well, uh, quick shout out. You mentioned the FanDuel competition. Birdie Buddies, Fairway Rolling is brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Uh, I think the leaderboard, the final leaderboard, which will carry along with it, the beautiful ringer jacket that I modeled on the Instagram last Handsomely. week. Handsomely. Yeah, well, I did my best. But kudos, Harry Dunn 12. Looks like he won... Uh, the the Masters competition, a nice uh, $3,000 day for Harry Dunn uh, with a winning score of 676.6. And the next guy closest to him, uh, a nice $1,500 day for Wolfpack 66. So congrats. Look, oh, Ben Ben Adams, 22, got 1000 bucks. That's, that's your top three finishers for this Masters tournament. And if you liked that competition... If you enjoy playing fantasy golf on FanDuel, and you should because it's great, you can continue to enter their golf contest. I will be doing so. I do so every single week. I find two or three where I like the payouts, and I try and do some single entry, and I do so, try and do some multi-entry. And we will, as we keep chugging along here, look for other opportunities to get some, some more fairway rolling competitions lined up. But that is not all. My par saving pal, FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposit required. Just sign up after downloading the FanDuel app, and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. FanDuel, more ways to win. Of course, age and location restrictions apply. We had 7,142 people play. Yeah. Uh, how'd you finish, House? I was uh, <laughs> inside the top half. Okay, attaboy. I finished in the top half of that group. boy. Yeah. I didn't have DJ. Uh, Rom, I did have Rom and top five Tony, who was barely top 30 Tony. Uh, and I think I had Cantlay. Um, anyway, I, enough. I, I, I got as high as 29th. And then Frankie Onions really, really brought me down. And and Munoz today didn't have the best round, but uh, but 163rd I'll take. So that's that's better than uh, the last time we ran this contest when I finished almost DFL. You, that means you won. What'd you win? Ten bucks? Fifteen bucks? Fifteen, baby. Nice, nice. Yeah, it pays for one tenth of the egg salad I had shipped to me from Augusta. <laughs> Well, I think that's the right note to end the recap on. We're not going to do any better than that. Um, we are going to continue here on Fairway Rolling. There's still some interesting golf to be had over the next handful of weeks. We have the match that's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks where we're going to see Phil and Charles Barkley go up against uh, Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. Peyton. Yeah, so That's just going to be a, a hoot. And we've got a couple more of these tournaments that Nathan and I certainly find interesting. Yeah. Uh, we're, we, we're going we down to Mexico. RSM. Yeah, we got the RSM this week, which is going to have its strongest field ever. A lot of the Europeans who came over to play this week are going to show up next week uh, at the RSM. And 
that's a great thing because we haven't gotten to see a bunch of them. So it's going to be a loaded field this week and a good opportunity, again, as we talk about in some of the lesser watched events, generally there's a lot of value. That you, it's a great point. The first thing I'm going to do when, when we uh, end here is I'm going to start looking at the weather because, uh, you know, that is down um, just north of, of Jacksonville, uh, St. Simon's Island uh, there in, in Georgia. They play it out of Sea Island. And if it if it's docile weather like what we just saw in Augusta, the quality of field point that you just made means there are going to be some scoring opportunities. So let's let's keep an eye on, on that one. Nate Dog, we've got a Masters champion, a worthy champion. 2020 is coming around, my brother. By the end of the year, we're going to be calling it one of the best ever. I'm not sure of that, but at least from a <laughs> golf perspective, it's been a hell of a year. We're rooting for it. Thanks so much as always, my friend. Birdie buddies, par saving pals. We're back next week with more fairway rolling. Until then, enjoy your egg salad. <laughs> <laughs>